0: Hi, I'm Chris Lamont, New South Wales Small Business Commissioner. In this podcast, I get to speak to someone who has one of the most important jobs in New South Wales, a job involving some of the toughest challenges anyone could face, but one that would offer some spectacular rewards. Jeremy Futrell is a New South Wales Commissioner of Fire and Rescue. He has over 26 years in the service, having worked in regional and metropolitan areas. Welcome to Talking Business, Commissioner. Thanks very much. It's good to be with you, Chris. So no commissioner to commissioner gags today. we are got to be very serious. Um, no, no clowning around on that. Yeah. We won't even ask what the collective noun for a gathering of commissioners is. Yeah, no, no, we won't. We won't put that to the audience either. So uh, we'll get straight into it. So look, really, really grateful for you participating in today's podcast. We had a bit of a chat a couple of weeks ago uh, about some really important issues for small business. And I was so uh, interested in our conversation. I thought, look, there's some really practical tips here for small business. So, really, really grateful for you sharing your time today.
1: Now, it's a great opportunity to be with you, Chris. And um, as small businesses are an important part of the communities that we protect, and it's good opportunity meeting with you to to get some messaging out to them.
0: Now, it's always it's always amazing when I talk to people who uh, have lived and worked in the regional areas of New South Wales and. As we started talking, it didn't take long—probably a few seconds—before a few familiar names came up. Uh, We've crossed uh, the same sort of territory. Where did you start your career? Well,
1: I was living in Armidale when I started with Fire and Rescue New South Wales, and actually moved from there to Sydney, um, and then did ten years in Sydney. And the opportunity came up for my wife and I to to move to Dubbo, and I spent the next seven years in Dubbo. Uh, I was in charge of Dubbo Fire Station and then I got promoted and was in charge of the whole um, district out there so looking after the Western Plains area so from uh, Dubbo south down to Parks and then west out to uh, Cobar and up to Burke and Brewarrina and Walgut and Lightning Ridge and all those sort of places in between so um, it was a great time of our lives was a great opportunity to to work with a whole range of different local communities and each of those communities in that vast area have their own sort of unique features and profiles and um, different aspects to, to, to pay attention to. It
0: would have been fantastic experience to get a handle for not just the geography, but uh, the
1: people and how they work together in times of crisis, I would have thought. Oh, look, it's, it's a really wonderful thing. And, you know, I think sometimes the word resilience has been a bit um, overused and a bit of a, a sort of a trendy buzzword. But That's really what you see um, in action out there. And I always sort of felt that my job was just to sort of um, put a few um, sort of guideposts along the way. Sometimes I'd have three or four hours to travel before I got to the site of the emergency. So the crews were already well into the process of dealing with it. But in the meantime, they would have organized, you know, if we needed it, earth moving equipment or other heavy machinery. And, you know, someone always knows someone who's got the right bit of gear and and they'd have all those things um, ready to go for when I got there. Ah, uh, that's excellent.
0: Um, just turning to where we are in the year, there's less than one week of summer to go. To me, it seems like a slightly less intense summer, but is that, as, is that really the case, or am I comparing it to some pretty awful years in recent history? I think we've
1: had a, a bit of everything this year. The predictions at the start of summer where it was going to be a you know, really dry scorcher and the bushfire risk looked um, quite severe, and indeed we had a number of very serious bushfires around the state uh, sort of around october november but but then things sort of changed and we've actually been really busy with um, lots of you know heavy storm and rain and flood events um, and we've had various crews deployed um, to provide flood rescue services around different parts of the state so um, and we've had sort of little bursts of hot weather again and so i'm not quite sure what to expect um, or what's left in the last week or so but um, yeah certainly uh, kept us on our toes one way or another So you're the Commissioner for Fire and Rescue.
0: Now, many of our listeners would be familiar with the fire part or think they're familiar with the fire part, but can you break down aspects of the rescue component of your role
1: and, and your team? Yeah, just before I do, I'd also just highlight we cover all of New South Wales. And so we've got 335 fire stations scattered around the state. And as a general rule of thumb, any town that's got a population of about 2,000 or more will normally have one of our fire stations there. Um, we provide fire coverage or protection, um, particularly for the urban area, for built-up um, structure fires. Um, but we're also the largest provider of rescue services across the state. So whether that's um, attending car crashes, um industrial and domestic things so something like a child with their finger stuck in the plug hole all the way to someone in a factory stuck in a piece of machinery Um, we do that Uh, a lot of our regional stations will go to agriculture related um, rescue incidents where again people might be you know get their arms stuck in an auger or um, some other part of machinery Uh, and so there's a there's a full range there we also do urban search and rescue and so last year we had our team of 72 firefighters deployed at Turkey. Um, following the large earthquake there and so we've we're registered with the united nations to do that work so that's that's uh you know the full you know big international type uh, scenario um, all the way through to you know the everyday stuff cat stuck in the drain pipe so no day would be the same no that's one of the things most of us tend to enjoy is the the inherent variety that we get um, with our work you know whether it's um, complicated rescues or other emergencies, or you know, engaging with community and, and talking about how to prevent fires.
0: Yeah. So I guess we're often focused about fire safety in our homes, but you know, as our discussion um, went on a couple of weeks back, soon became very clear that there's some pressing issues for business, in particular small business. We mentioned lithium-ion batteries, but can you talk us through a bit of the the, the challenge? I guess that uh, your team is seeing at the moment with lithium-ion batteries and storage and the potential
1: risks uh, arising from those. Certainly taking uh, a lot of our attention and effort at the moment, the lithium-ion batteries, and we're we're doing a a lot to try and get the word out um, about the dangers that can be associated with them. The reason they're so popular and common is because they're such a a very useful means of storing energy, and they're relatively small and lightweight, or can be, um, which means they can fit into a range of you know, devices that are from what you have in your pocket with your phone to tablets and um, e-bikes and scooters and all manner of other sort of equipment people might use in the in the yard or, or working outdoors. Um, so the lithium-ion batteries, if they're not um, looked after well, can uh, catch fire um, if they're damaged. And so they can, they can be, if you drop them or they suffer some other sort of uh, injury or shock like that, um, that can cause them to start to break down. But also, even if that hasn't happened at times, we're seeing batteries that are um, catching fire, and particularly that's when they're in the process of being charged. And there's a few common things that we see there where people are using um, products that are, are not from a reputable supplier, not a not a well-known brand name. They seem to be more at risk of um, catching fire. Likewise, if people are charging things with, charging batteries not with the specific charges or the plugs that came came with the item, but substituting in for, for other um, plugs or chargers that, that look the same or look like they've got the same size um, plug and all will fit in, but it not necessarily configured to work with that battery and, and they can um, not sense when the battery's having trouble. The really good batteries and the battery charging systems um, monitor the batteries and will shut off if there's any sort of overheating or other sign of issue. Um, and so that's the other thing we just encourage people to to be around when they're charging their batteries Um, you don't have to sit there and watch it but certainly you know don't we would recommend that you don't put it on at the end of the day and leave it charging overnight in your business um, and not to have anyone around if something goes wrong it goes wrong very quickly and suddenly they go from just sitting there to you know spurting out jets of flame and so the best thing that could happen there is that you're aware of it straight away and you can make sure everyone's safe and call triple zero and get uh, fire and rescue there to start dealing with it as quickly as possible and obviously
0: um what's stored around batteries uh batteries that are being charged uh, i guess your team would see some uh some practices that may not be obvious until after the fact uh where these things are actually charged yeah
1: and whether it's at home or at work in your business um just a few simple things can actually make the whole process a, a lot safer and less likely to have issues. So when you're charging batteries, they, they do and can heat up a little bit, and that's you know, quite sort of normal part of the process It's when that starts to become too much heating up is that it's a problem. Uh, so to put them somewhere where you know, they're not covered or don't have things on top of them uh, when they're charging so they can adjust their temperature, um, there's nothing sort of keeping that heat in. Um, So we recommend doing that on a, in a hard flat surface. um, And that surface is also something that's not um, readily combustible. So instead of, you know, putting it on a, um, we use example in a home on a blanket or on your bed, when you're charging a device, um, put it on, you know, hard surface on the floor or on a table or something like that.
0: No, no, good advice. We also mentioned um, about home-based businesses. And I was really interested in the example that uh, you spoke about, about the home nail salon. Can you talk a little bit more about that one
1: yeah look and, and that was a business where they had a had a shop but they were storing a lot of the materials at home and I guess a lot of people would be familiar with that scenario where they're running a business they might only have you know so much of a, um, a storage and um, shop area that they can have stock in but they're carrying more stock and then think well I'll you know stack it up in the garage at home and so this was a really tragic example where People ran a nail salon business, but they were storing over a 1,000 litres of acetone in their garage at at their home. Um, And it ended up being um, a fire that was very, very serious, and sadly, three people died. What the challenge for us was, when the firefighters arrived, um, a house fire is normally uh, a challenging enough situation for for firefighters to deal with, especially when it's well-developed but then you added uh, an extra thousand litres of, of acetone that was adding to the intensity of the fire, and it, it did make it much harder for them to access the property but also to contain the fire and, and um, bring it under control. Yeah, no, a
0: timely reminder this time of the year or any time of the year to really think about those sort of things. Um, small business often complain to me, Jeremy, about you know the amount of red type that they're, they're weighed down by. Um, now, Fire safety, though, is one of those things that um, there are some some rules and red tape that are there for a purpose. But how can they get the information sort of quickly or concisely so they can do the right thing and stay safe?
1: Uh, so there's a few um, resources available on our Fire and Rescue New South Wales website. Um, so that's fire.nsw.gov.au. And if you look for the small business fire safety section or hazardous materials at work section it sort of touches on that last story I was just telling you about the acetone more generally though Chris look we're really aware of the the challenges and the pressures that people face um, running a small business it's a you know it's an all-in type of operation you've got so many different things to worry about and it is easy for people to sort of think oh gosh you know well there's not much chance I'll have a fire and they they start to sort of push those things further down the list and and may never get to them We hope people never have a fire, but we're also very aware of the fact that where small businesses have a fire, there's a very high rate of businesses that then um, have to close down or cease operating um, within 12 months of experiencing a fire. So having having a fire in a small business is quite often a very sort of catastrophic event for the ongoing sustainability of that business. So anything people can do to prevent that um, is really important. And so things like those fire safety measures, um, you know, basically fall under the, the sort of employers or the business operators' work health and safety obligations. Um, and so if you can sort of, you know, be as aligned as possible with all those elements, and then, yeah, again, look at our website and see some of the ways that, um, you know, sort of some helpful tips for what you can do to reduce your risk of fire in your business.
0: Is there a better time of the year for the business to be
1: conducting fire or safety audits? Look, I would suggest people try and fit it in with um, any sort of other times in their business that tend to be a little bit quieter. Certainly don't try and put it on a, in a period where it's your peak peak period of activity. Um, try and fit it in around the, the cycles of, you know, all the other things that you're, you're working with. So have a look at the annual cycle of your business and, and see, you know, where you might get a little bit more breathing space to, to do that. There's certainly regular, um, you know, depending on the size of people's premises there's requirements on you know having fire extinguishers or fire hose reels and once you have those there's regular requirements on on having them serviced um, normally on a six monthly and a 12 monthly basis Um, but certainly you know any provider that you have um, working for you would be able to to guide you on that and again sort of help you to to fit it in at a time when your your business can can best accommodate that and give it the attention it deserves. But certainly, I think your recommendation would be at least at least once yeah, that right? a year. Yeah, right. Definitely, yeah. And so things like you know having a conversation with your staff, for like, okay, guys, what are we going to do if there there was a fire in you know in the workshop or in the shop? Um, how are we going to evacuate? Where would we take the customers? Um, what exits have we got? What options? Um, it doesn't have to be you know a big drama, but certainly if you've got a sort of a, a regular team meeting that you do um, with your with your team or your staff. Um, just including it on the agenda at least once a year is a really good way to start. No, excellent. No, thanks for that.
0: Now, I'll put you on the spot here a little bit, but
1: three or four
0: really practical things that if you could speak to the 850,000
1: small businesses in New South Wales today, what should they do? All righty. So look, we touched on some of them uh, just a second ago, but making sure any you know equipment that you have is is serviced and, and checked regularly. Have that... Um, Evacuation plan and and have it you know picture up on the wall, but also just make sure it's a thing that's in the front of the mind of, of yourself and your staff. Um, get your electrical items tested and tagged, so you're identifying anything that might cause a, a short and pulling it out of service or getting it repaired before any issues occur. The other two um, that I'll add are, are really fundamental ones. So making sure your insurance cover is is adequate now. Um, that's not going to stop a fire from happening. But if something does occur, um, that you, at least you know that, that your business is as well protected and supported as possible. And then um, have a think about your business continuity plan and, and work out what you would do to recover. And you know, likely things, it could be a fire, it could be some other um, impact, but work out what you would need to do to, to get the show back on the road. Even things like making sure you're backing up any computers and documentation that you need and storing them offsite. And if you do that, you know, again, sort of on a regular cycle, every week or every couple of weeks, and, and storing them somewhere else, maybe at home, so that if you know if something happened to the office and all the computers and files were lost there, you're not starting from scratch and trying to piece things together. You can go back, not too far back in time, and um, have a look at the business continuity planning there. No thanks, Jerry. I'm I'm really glad you
0: mentioned business continuity planning and plans. Um, the Small Business Commission has a guide to preparing your own small business continuity plan. Um, so I really encourage our listeners to go and check that out. Once again, a free resource from the Commission to uh, to help small business. Jerry, can I really thank you and your permanent and volunteer staff um, for everything they do to keep us safe in New South Wales? Uh, I think. The work that uh, you and your team does is tremendous uh, and very much appreciated
1: and valued by all of the small businesses right across New South Wales. No, thanks, Chris. And, and just a bit of a vote of thanks back. Um, we have about three and a half thousand retained firefighters who are part-time firefighters. You know, they, they work a primary job somewhere else. And then when there's a fire, they come to the fire station um, and go and go and work on that emergency situation just recognising the support that so many small businesses provide to to those employees of theirs that are also uh, retained firefighters with Fire and Rescue New South Wales or um, volunteer firefighters with the Rural Fire Service. And so we're actually um, establishing some employer recognition awards and um, we'll be um, announcing the winners of that um, on our um, awards day in May uh, in a couple of months' time. So we're we're really excited about that and it'll be a chance for our retain firefighters to nominate their employers um and and we'll you know um, look at the nominations and and work out who are the best ones that we can award so we're going to have a small business category in that as well well look forward to promoting
0: that thank you for everything jeremy uh uh, it's been a it's been a great uh great activity that uh, we've uh, embarked on with a couple of these practical advice and tips that we can give to small business thanks very much chris great opportunity to be with you You've been talking business with Chris Lamont and Jeremy Futrell, New South Wales Commissioner for Fire and Rescue. We'll be back shortly with another episode.